Yes. So good to have you out uh, this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. So um, we are in May, and May of 2021 for us is Global Outreach Month. And uh, so we're going to be having this kind of focus and emphasis on global outreach for the entire month of May. Uh, I want you to do your very, very best to come out week after week. Uh, next week, we have uh, a guest coming in who's going to share with us, uh, somebody that I heard from recently, uh, who's been uh, a, a, uh, a missionary to the Asia Pacific and has an assignment here for uh, helping to oversee and administrate um, a lot of the work that's going on over there, and she is just an absolutely uh, amazing young lady, and so she's going to be flying in uh, and sharing us with us next Sunday. So please, please, please do not miss it, because if you miss it, you'll miss it. Um, and uh, today, unfortunately, you're stuck with this international guest. Um, I have been out of the country a handful of times, so I suppose that makes me international and qualified to preach this morning. I'll be back on week three, and then closing us out at the end of the month, uh, crowd favorite Ricky Bolden will be with us. So again, um, we're doing everything we can to drive up attendance on Memorial Day weekend. And so we're like, Ricky, you gotta come, help us out. And so on that Memorial Day Sunday, uh, Ricky will be with us. So again, just uh, I want to encourage you to do your best to participate. Uh, we're gonna have some things that'll go out that we'll push out in terms of content throughout the week. Uh, Shane mentioned we begin a live video podcast uh, this Wednesday night at eight o'clock. I have absolutely no idea what that's gonna be like. We've never done that before, but I've always had a dream of having a radio show. Um, and the internet makes that possible. And so, uh, so we're gonna do that and co-starring, or co-starring, co-hosting with me uh, will be Brett Williams, uh, who'll be here in person, and also Marissa Stam will be joining us for that. So I uh, hope that you can tune into that, eight o'clock. Of course, the recording will be available after that if you're not able to catch it. So that's Global Outreach Month in a nutshell. So let's get started. Um, you see the theme this month is hope rising. And we wanna talk about hope and what it means to see hope rising up. Uh, not only within our own lives, I don't know about you, but I could use a higher degree of hope, especially on certain days where the day doesn't feel so hopeful. Uh, but throughout our world, there is this desperate, desperate need for hope and for more hope. And did you know that you and I partner together and with God to help bring hope into our world. And this morning, I'd like to talk about a hope worth dying for. A hope worth dying for. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John uh, chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read uh, a few verses here about what Jesus has to say uh, in regard to this topic, a hope worth uh, dying for. John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26. Let's read it together. Jesus said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must Follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. So just to 
a few quick verses here that I want to focus in on uh, to see what Jesus is talking about. If you're familiar with where we are in the story of Jesus, we are kind of near to where he's about to go to the cross. And Jesus remarks regarding the day and hour in which he and his disciples were sitting. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That is that Jesus had this understanding of what was going to happen to him. He had not yet been arrested. He had not yet been tried. The sentence was not um, ready to be executed. And yet Jesus knew what was on the horizon. In fact, not only was he aware of this, at this particular point, um, in his ministry, but he was acutely aware of where he was going All along, throughout his ministry, he understood that it was leading him to a particular destination. And when I read that verse, where he says the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, I'm a little overwhelmed by the degree to which Jesus seems to have this resolve. I mean, a resolve in facing his impending death because of what it meant because of what he understood it to be, because of the purpose and the significance that it held, he had this immense resolve to go to the cross. And I wonder where Jesus was resolved to go to the cross, if you in your life have experienced, or if you can even begin to imagine what it must be like to walk through life with that kind of resolve. Not a resolve towards your death, hopefully, but a resolve that looks forward to some particular place that you really, really, really want to go. A place where you want for your life to carry you. A place where you want for your hopes and your dreams and the decisions that you make and the investments and the risks that you take to ultimately land you. You experience that kind of resolve where you said, you know, it doesn't matter the challenges that are in the way, I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going to keep forging ahead toward this thing because what you understand about that thing is the importance and the significance of it. It happens to us in some of the ordinary circumstances of our lives. Maybe you're pushing through toward graduation, right? And it feels like you have been studying for so long and you have been working so hard. And there are days where it feels like you want to give up. There are days where you wonder as you're listening to the professor speak and you're writing your notes and you're reading your books and you're doing your research, wondering like, what is this all for? But then suddenly you are made aware again of what's at the end of that thing. You know, maybe it's that degree or maybe it's that um, that educational experience that's eventually going to launch you into something that you feel like you want to do with for the rest of your life. And because of that, it's worth it. Right? And there are things that we push forward and attend to in our lives because we know it's worth it. You moms out there, you are the perfect illustration for what it means to have something in life worth dying for. Who wouldn't describe motherhood in a general way as a true dying to self? Not a single mother in the place would neglect to describe what it means to raise a child 
or to raise multiple children and perhaps to raise a husband alongside them. The work and the energy and the effort that goes into that. But not only that, just the days of discouragement. The days where you're beat down. The days where maybe a child says, I hate you. The days where a child makes a decision that you know is bad for them. And is going to lead to harm and hurt and pain. Days where you're weeping and suffering because of your children. And yet we do it. And we embrace it. Right? We take on that role of motherhood because we know that it's so worth it. The investment that we make into the lives of our children come back to us tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. Because there are some things in life that we are able to pursue that have this tremendous significance and importance and weight to them. And when we understand the weight and the significance of those things... We can have this resolve, a resolve that carries us through, a resolve that brings us through those times of discouragement and those moments of darkness where it just feels like it's not worth it. Jesus was resolved to go to the cross. He had this keen ability to center on his purpose for being. Now I get we're talking about Jesus the Son of God and the creator of the universe. And so you might be tempted to let your mind kind of wander away from what we're talking about because, well, we're talking about Jesus. Of course he was able to be and feel resolved to go to the cross. Of course he was able to center on his purpose for being. I mean, he was God after all. How can I possibly identify with that? And yet... What we need to understand about Jesus is the true humanity in which he experienced this world. The reality that he did suffer. The reality that he did experience true pain and sorrow. A friend of his passed away whom he knew he was going to raise from the dead and yet still his emotional state of mind took over and the Bible just says Jesus wept. I mean, Jesus suffered. He knew what it was like to hurt. He knew what it was like to feel disappointed. We laugh when time after time he is engaging the disciples in conversation, you know, and calling them a bunch of idiots or knuckleheads or slow to think, thick in the skull, right? I mean, it's like it doesn't matter how long he'd been with them or how uh, carefully he had taught them. Still, it just didn't seem like they got it. And so Jesus was discouraged, I'm sure, Sometimes, But even through that, he was able to center on his purpose for being. You'll find in one place in the Gospels, Jesus relating to himself, saying, I have come to seek and save those who are lost. You know what Jesus didn't have is a whole bunch of fragmented forks in the road, you know, where he was kind of headed down the path of this particular interest and then all of a sudden redirected because this particular hobby suddenly took over his mind and his desires. And then when he got bored and tired of that, then he went on to the next thing and the next thing after that. That's what you and I do a lot of times, right? Like when it comes to the many uh, things that the world has to offer to engage our time and our energy and our focus, we, we dabble in this and we dabble in that, perhaps even gain a level of expertise in one particular area or another. 
But I wonder, does it really speak to what is the central purpose for our being? Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so everything that he did, even though it may have kind of deviated a little from that absolute statement. I mean, Jesus didn't walk around 24 hours a day, seven days a week, looking for lost people. I mean, he did do some other things, right? But the central theme of his life was to seek and to save. He said, I have come to give life and to give it more abundantly. That is, I want for people to experience a life like they have never experienced it before. And so his teaching was modeled after such a way that he could take a person who was lifeless, a person who was without hope, a person who felt like there was nothing this life could afford or offer to them, and he offered them life. He breathed into them life. He spoke into their world life. Why? Because he wanted them to experience life and life more abundantly. Jesus so eloquently quotes Isaiah as he talks about his mission statement in this world. He said, I have come to preach good news to the poor. I have come to preach recovering of the sight to the blind and to heal the broken hearted. Jesus knew what his life was all about. And so he could walk with an intent and a purpose toward that particular direction. So I ask you this morning, can you identify clearly your purpose for being? As you think about your life, as you think about what your life is amounting to, maybe what your life has amounted to and what you want it to amount to with the time you have remaining, Is there some clarity that you have? Are you able to identify your purpose for being? As you think about what makes you uniquely you, what makes you unlike any other person listening to this message today, what makes you unlike any other person in your household? Maybe you grow up comparing yourself to a brother or a sister. And it felt like they always had the upper hand on you. It felt like they were the ones who were always being noticed. They were the ones always receiving praise. They were the ones whose accomplishments seemed to rise above yours. And so you always felt like you were living in the shadow of that other person. If not a sibling, maybe it was a friend. You know, maybe it was somebody else in your life. But never did this feeling or this sense or this understanding of how God has uniquely crafted and created you to fulfill some grand eternal purpose in this world. And because you've never really engaged that, you've never been able to take steps forward to live that thing out. Maybe you've been lost under the illusion that when we're talking about purpose and significance, that is largely defined by the big, grandiose things that people do in the world. The kinds of things that newscasters take notice of, and run to get a news story about, to put it on TV, to share it with the whole world. Maybe you've thought that significance and purpose has had to do with all of those big things that other people notice. Again, how many of you moms out there could identify with and understand the reality that the little investments that you make day after day after day in the lives of your children will ultimately yield tremendous benefits down the road, even when people don't notice even when there's nobody applauding, even when there's no praise or pat on the back or thank you even. 
But the reality is every single one of us have been uniquely created for some grand purpose. Jesus understood and he was able to center on his purpose for being. And I believe if he could speak to us today, one of the things that he would love for every single one of us to know is how he has uniquely created us for some great purpose. Have you found in this life anything worth dying for? Have you found anything as you walk through this life, as you experience life, have you found anything that's worth dying for? Anything that you could say, you know what? This is what my life is going to be about. This is what my life is going to be defined by. And I am going to live like it's the most important thing in the world. I'm willing to surrender my life for that thing. Have you found that thing in your life worth dying for? I think there are people throughout this world, there are people probably in this room right now, that could not really truly identify that thing, that belief, that notion, that idea, that aim for life where they say, this is worth dying for. I mean, we, we do all kinds of dying, right? We, we die at our jobs, right? We work ourselves to the bone for years and years and years, and we know what's ultimately the result of that. Right? Solomon shared with us the vanity of laboring to the bone for all this life in order to accumulate all kinds of stuff, to have all kinds of experiences, only ultimately at the end to say, man, that was, that was for nothing. Why? Because when this life is over, all that stuff is going to go away. It's detached from me. And so I wonder, have you really found something worth dying for? Something in this life that you'd say, I want to put my life into that. Here's what Jesus said. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So Jesus identifies what I think we can all really understand, and that is that if you were to take a seed and just leave it out in the open, that seed is going to forever remain a seed. That seed represents a tremendous amount of purpose and significance and potential, but it's just a seed. The only way that that potential is ultimately released is for the seed to be put into the earth. To die, so to speak. Now Jesus, of course, is relating to his death that is on the horizon. The reality that he must die for this great purpose for which he had been placed in this earth. But he says the reason for that is the same reason why a seed must be planted in the earth. Because after and only after it is placed in the earth and dies, is it then able to bear much fruit. The state of that seed prior to its death, prior to its burying, is it's alone. Right? That's what he says. The seed outside of the earth remains alone forever. We experience aloneness in this world for a variety of reasons. 
Two of which that I want to share with you this morning are a lack of clarity and a lack of conviction. Much like that seed, when we are unwilling to ultimately live up to the potential that has been wrought within us, created within us, in God's eternal purpose for us as individual people, if we are unwilling to let that potential come out, we are, as what Jesus describes here, alone. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily physically alone, because you can surround yourself with people. And you can surround yourself with hobbies and interests. You can surround yourself with nice things. You can uh, surround yourself with all kinds of noise to help mask the real aloneness that your life exists in. Because if you're a seed that has not yet been planted into the ground, if you have not yet identified with the death of Christ and you yourself become dead, you are, again, what Jesus describes here, you are alone. Just a seed. And so we need clarity. Clarity is helping to answer this question, what do you believe and know about God? What do you know and believe about the world in which you live? The trajectory of your life and its destination. I was listening to a podcast this past week that was talking about the experience of pain in nature. You know, one of these questions of, well, you know, if God really existed and God were good, why would there be so much pain in the world? And it talked about these various levels of pain. Three levels, if I can remember correctly. One is, uh, you know, the pain that uh, an insect would feel. Uh, you know, when you squash a bug, and this pain is an unconscious kind of pain, right? And so uh, some philosophers would surmise that that insect doesn't actually experience pain because there's no consciousness to go along with it. And then the next level would speak to kind of mammals, right, and the pain that they experience. And he was trying to provide some comfort to all you pet owners out there, you know, wondering about the pain that your cat or your dog might be experiencing. And yet even the pain that we see our beloved animals experiencing in this world is a pain that is different from that level three kind of pain, the pain that you and I experience, because we have consciousness. You're aware of you, right? I am aware of I, right? We have Ego. We have a conscientiousness about ourselves and our existence. And so what we know about pain that a dog or a cat or a, an ant doesn't know is I am in pain when I'm in pain. Right? And so what do you, what do you know? What have you come to believe about God, about the world, about others, about you, about the trajectory of your life? Or have you just kind of been wandering around really aimlessly? experiencing the world much like an animal experiences the world. Oh, it's time to get up. Off I go, right? And just kind of living on autopilot, walking according to, you know, whatever seems to be kind of the right, the right path as, as, as we understand it to be in this world. Or have you developed some real clarity? Have you spent the time necessary to discover what we can know about who God is? You know, some people are, in regard to God are like, oh, you know, I don't care. How could you not care? I mean, you know, 
I, I just wonder, again, I know I'm coming from a different angle and from a different level of experience here, but how, how could you not care? How could you not want to discover this great God who created the universe and created you? What he is like, who he is like, who he is, who he wants to be in you. How could we not want to grow in our clarity about ourselves? Where am I headed? Where am I going? What is the purpose for which my life is? And then we need conviction. We need conviction. I can't help but think of the song. Uh, most of you aren't even going to be able to relate to this, but you know, for those of you who've been in church for a long time, remember the singer Carmen. He had a song about how we need a little more conviction. Conviction seems to be a depleting resource in our world today. Um, conviction is that firmly held belief in something bigger than and something outside of you. It speaks to something worth dying for. Something that is so important. Something that I'm going to hold so tightly and so dearly to my own heart and person that I'm willing to die for it. Without that, we are alone. We are just a seed outside of the ground. But the reality is, if you have become a follower of Jesus, or if you want to embrace what this means to follow after the pattern of Jesus' life, the Bible instructs us that as he died, so you and I must identify with his death as well. And we must grow in our conviction for what God wants for our lives. A few weeks ago, we as a staff were reading through the book of Acts, and we came across Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, where Peter's preaching this sermon to a bunch of people who were supposed to know better, a bunch of people who were supposed to know all kinds of things about God, but it got so many wrong. And they, as he goes through the story and the saga of the history of the Israelites, right down to the reality of where each of those individuals stood as people, it said, now when they heard this, when they heard Peter's word, when they heard the gospel proclaimed, when they heard the message of Jesus that they had once rejected, it says they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You know what we need in more of our churches? You know what we need among more of those who say, I am a follower of Jesus, is a higher level of conviction, a deeper understanding of what it means to come into the presence of God and have God speak to the intricacies of our lives and for us to feel a little bit of conviction, for us to feel a little bit of tugging, for us to feel a little bit of, man, this isn't exactly how I should be living my life with a willingness to confess and to repent and to turn in the direction that God wants me to go. That's what we need in our churches. If we're going to experience what it means to die for something that really has significance and purpose, we too must be from time to time, cut to the heart. You know, I wonder as you come into church, as you listen online this morning, are you hoping, you know, to hear some fantastic sermon that's going to help make you feel like a million bucks so that you can walk out of this, here, this place here just kind of hopping, skipping, and jumping, you know? Or are you looking for God to challenge you? Are you looking for the Spirit of God to speak to you? Are you looking for God to stir you? See, Jesus, what he did was as he looked forward to and was committed to the end of what his life would ultimately mean, he set aside what was best for him. 
Truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Its potential is released. You see, the grain of wheat can always remain a grain of wheat. Maybe that's what's best for that grain of wheat. Maybe that's what's best for that seed is to just remain on its own. But I think we could probably argue the case that it would be far better for that thing to die, for that thing to be planted into the earth. Jesus was willing to do what was absolutely necessary, which, weirdly enough, is the one thing that you and I are all trying to avoid. Right? We're all doing everything we can to not die. But Jesus was looking forward to what that death would ultimately accomplish. And we are called to identify with Jesus in his death. That's what it means to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus, is to identify with him in his death. Now, that does not mean that we're supposed to go and run off a cliff to our deaths. That is not supposed to mean that we live our lives in such a reckless way that we are welcoming death just as soon as possible. No, we continue to avoid death at all possible costs, but we identify with the death of Jesus in actually how we live out our lives as dead people. That's what we are called to be. We live in light of his death. That is, as the Bible would describe it, we die to ourselves. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, you have died with Christ. Now he's talking, he, he didn't go into the cemetery Right, and look around all the tombstones and start preaching to a bunch of dead people. He didn't walk into some dead church full of a bunch of people that couldn't, you know, stand to show any sign of life whatsoever. And of course, I am not talking about this congregation here. As if he were talking to a bunch of dead people. No, he's talking to people who are alive and well, and kicking, and full of potential. And he says, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world? All kinds of things we could talk about with what Paul is relating to us in that verse. But these powers are these elements. That word refers to anything in a series, like the letters of an alphabet. It, almost to say, you know, you have just been following the ABCs of life. You've kind of been walking through life as some particular rote thing, you know, just following after the pattern of the next guy. Grow up, you go through elementary school and middle school and high school, off to trade school or college or into some career, right? And you go to work 40 hours a week. You retire when you're 65, right? I mean, you just follow the pattern of the world as if that's just simply the pattern that you're supposed to live. But these powers or these, these little parts to the whole are not supposed to be what our life is ultimately centered on. We're supposed to be looking at life in its entirety, not treating life as a series of normal steps. You see, when we do that, it's like we are settling for just the normal base things of life. Again, like an animal. An animal wants to survive. When it's hungry, it looks for food. When it's thirsty, it looks for something to drink. When it's got to go to the bathroom, guess what? Sometimes we walk around our lives living much the same way as an animal, just kind of following, you know, the desires, those carnal desires. I don't necessarily mean, you know, sinful desires, although we do that too, but just like just sim the simple base human desires 
that we are going to follow without any thought whatsoever, without any conscious effort whatsoever. We can all do that. We can all go to bed when we're tired. We can all eat when we're hungry. We can all drink when we're thirsty. We can all kind of make it through the next day. But that, is that the life that is reserved for the person that Jesus has died for and wants for that person to identify with him in his death? No, he wants far more from us, more than just survival, more than just preservation, more of just thriving in our own little cluster of what is our lives. And yet that's how we often do religion, right? We just, we do religion by practicing the steps. Paul's like, get out of that. Get out of that ordinary course of just following the religious prescription for what you're supposed to do or not do. No, life is so much more than that. And so what you and I need to do is we need to break free from the dogma of this world. It might be the dogma of some religious experience that says, this is how you do it. This is how you please God. This is how you walk with God. It might be a dogma of this world that has nothing to do with God. But it's the world's standards that say, this is how you do life. This is how you define success and how you achieve purpose. Jesus has something entirely different from us. And so we've got to break free from that. Maybe you need to break free from the dogma of your own life. Maybe your own life has been largely directed by this kind of dogmatic idea of what your life is supposed to be. And maybe today uh, there's just a crack in the door that the Lord wants to kind of step in and challenge you. Say, listen, i got so much more for you. If you'd be willing to die to yourself, if you'd be truly willing to surrender your life, I've got so much more for you. And so as we close out this morning, I want to encourage you in a few things. Number one, I want, you, I want to encourage you to, over the next month, I want you to raise your awareness. We're going to be looking, we're going to be hearing from people that are going to talk about things that are happening throughout the world. Um, after the service is over, Terry's going to be over there. We have a book uh, that we are recommending that people read this month. So if you're a reader, go up and see her and buy the book and read through that. It's a book that will help just raise your awareness, your level of understanding, your cognition for what's actually happening around the world. I've said this again and again and again. That is that, listen, you and I, we can live our lives and insulate ourselves from the problems of the world. We can. We can do that. But that's not how Jesus wants us to live. And so we got to become more aware. I mean, I'm embarrassed uh, as I think about the, 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 the larger part of my life and just how unaware I've been of things that I need to be aware of. Not that I can fix every single thing, because I can't. Not that I'm going to be the one that's going to come up with this ingenious plan to solve this major problem in the world, because I'm probably not. But I need to raise my awareness. And so immerse yourself in Global Outreach Month. Get in. Get your hands dirty. Listen. Hear what people are talking about when we have guests who are speaking, when we have books or other content to help just raise that level of awareness. Secondly, raise your care temperature. How many of you know it's not just simply enough to become aware of issues, to become aware of problems outside of our comfortable little worlds? We've got to raise our care temperature as well. That, you know, um, I, I care about what's going on. I care about the hurt that's being experienced 
in my neighborhood, by my neighbors. I care about the hurt that's being experienced by a person that I don't know who lives halfway across the world. Raise your care temperature. Listen, it's no secret. This is Global Outreach Month. We are encouraging our church, people in our church, to invest in ministries that are making a difference throughout the world. We're asking for people to pledge, to make sacrifices, to say, this is what I'm going to do from a financial perspective. This is what I'm going to do to help with what little way I can to see hope rise in some particular area or for some particular person. And so I want to encourage you, raise your care temperature, and then finally live on purpose. Don't live your life haphazardly. Don't wander about this life aimlessly. But like Jesus had this resolve to go to this cross, like Jesus who was able to center on his purpose for being, God has a great purpose for your life. I wish you believed that. I wish you did. I know maybe somebody's catching on to that idea. I know maybe somebody's thinking, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe I do have some purpose. Man, I wish I, wish I had the the ability from a speaking standpoint to convince every single one of you just how important and precious you are to God and to how desperately he wants to see you immersing yourself in the work of the kingdom of God, that it's not reserved for the preacher or for a handful of people. It's for all of us. We are all responsible for hope rising. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just pray as we close out here, our first in this series on hope rising, would you stir our hearts? Lord, would you just help for the level of clarity and conviction over which we see our lives begin to rise so that we might begin this new trajectory of our lives where we die to self for the purpose of seeing hope rising. Jesus, you died on the cross in order to provide hope to this world. So Lord, help us to identify with that death and how we live our lives. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.